Welcome back, Dodecadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Roos. That's me. Jordan playing Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina playing Nari. Kauta is bull and gambling is an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> and me, Paul, playing Hooky from school. So if my mom asks, I am really, really sick. <laughs> you're watching Matlock is what you're doing. That, yeah, that, you're right. Matlock. Yes. Just a friendly reminder. Fanex is just a little over one week away. So if you have your tickets, huzzah. And if you don't, huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> I got through it at least. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, the, that's the gold right there. Nothing else is as good, as good as that one. Okay. But there's still time. We'll be there in Salt Lake City, September 22nd to the 24th, 2022. And we'll even have a get together on Saturday afterwards. So come join us. It'll be great. Also, the usual stuff like our Patreon at patreon.com slash 12 sided guys for bonus episodes, a wiki and maps. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, keep spreading the word. <laughs> Are you still laughing about Huzwa? <laughs> yes. We love you all, and we feel so honored that you've chosen to spend your precious time listening to us. I mean, nobody knows how long we truly have in this life, and, and the fact that you've already spent over 100 hours of what little time you may have left with us, listening to our bad jokes about George Michael songs, sleeveless sweater vests, and creepily watching people while they sleep, well, it means a lot. So thank you. Anyway... If you ever tromped around Pangea and were disappointed with a lack of prehistoric ninjas, then this podcast is for you. It's a Crystal Codex, episode 79. I didn't get that one. Joe and Mac Caveman Ninja? Sure, why not? I'm running out of Nintendo games. <laughs> Joe and Mac Caveman Ninjas. But they weren't ninjas like they at weren't. all. They weren't. Oh, they were uh. just cavemen. <sighs> Welcome back to the 12 Sided Guys and to Kelta in the city-states of Rakolia. Last time we were together, we had a crazy session full of drinking and gambling and all those things your mom told you you shouldn't do when you get older. <laughs> Pine dressed to the nines as the very rich, I guess, Mr. Douglas, actually went to the horse races to throw around some money with his servants, June, AKA Nari, as well as Roos, and his deacon, Ebby, who he was calling 381. There were a lot of terrible roles and there were even more terrible horse names, but the plan worked. It was expensive, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> After all was said and done, Nari and the boys managed to trade or gamble away Ebby and Roos disguised as another deacon to the man Renato, the richest man in the city of Calta, who apparently owns somewhere between four and ten deacons. Last we left off, 
Roos and Ebi had just arrived at Pelo Manor, to the northeast of the city of Kelta, while Pine and Nari sat back at the wooden palisade, which is just about a mile away, to get some food and maybe some drinks. No drinks for me ever again. Oh. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. And Pine was pretending to be drunk. Very, very drunk. We'll start with Ebby and Roos. Ebby and Roos, you guys are getting down out of this wagon out in front of this manor house as Renato walks inside and leaves you out there with a servant who you have been informed his name is Azario, as well as a couple of guards. Azario motions to both of you and says, Come, deacons. And he has you follow him into this large two-story manor. The front double doors, they are probably mahogany. (laughs) As you step into uh, into this manor, you can see that it is very well built. You can see that the the tiling on the floor is new. The walls are all a dark wood and plaster. Um, They're all clean. You see paintings hanging on the walls. You see richly carved doorways. So you enter into the manor on the west side. And as you enter in, you're in this long hallway. You can see that on the north, there are two doors. And on the south side, there are actually three doors. And then there's a staircase heading up straight ahead at the end of the hall. It also looks like the hall kind of turns and heads north as well. So there's a lot of rooms here, a lot of space in this manner. I want you guys to make uh, either perception or investigation checks or even insight checks as you guys enter into uh, the manor. Ooh, okay. I'm going to do an insight or I'll do, I'll do perception actually. Bruce rolled a 19 insight. Okay. And Ebby got an 18 on perception. So, um, Ebby, with your perception, as you start looking around this uh, manor, you can tell that it is new, and you can tell that it's well-made. The things in here are very expensive, Um, like very expensive. And um, with your insight, Roos, you can tell that this is all the, uh, the makings of someone trying to show how rich they are. Does that make sense? Like, this is... This is not a house built for comfort. This is a house built to show how wealthy Renato is. Yeah. Okay. It's it's unsinkable Molly Brown's house. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Eddie, you can also tell with your perception that everything is very new. Um, uh, I think that the house was built within the last uh, three or four years. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Ebby, Ebby has the mindset of just trying to be very compliant. He wants to get into like wherever the rest of the deacons are stored as hopefully as soon as possible. Bruce is resisting the urge to just like bump into something expensive and break it. (laughs) Azario walks in. um, He kind of walks down the hallway expecting you to follow. And then he actually, you can see that inside here, there is actually a guard um, standing by one of the doors on the south side of this hallway. And Azario walks down the hallway and then he kind of stops turns around to the two of you and he says, stay. And he kind of waits to make sure you guys are going to stay. And then he turns and um, at the end of the hallway, you can see that it turns to the north. He turns and heads north down this other hallway. And he actually goes into another door um, down that hallway and disappears from sight, leaving you alone in the hallway with one guard. And with your perception check and your insight check, you could tell this guard is bored, not really paying attention. 
Also, there is a third deacon here with you. I forgot. The third deacon, the deacon that actually Renato already owned, is standing there next to you. Okay. Roos is really resisting the urge to like walk to something and break it on accident. <laughs> but he's not. He's he's holding it back in. Yeah, Ebby Ebby is like statuesque, just standing there staring straight ahead. Okay. After a little while, probably about five or six minutes, Azario comes back out of that door and comes to the three deacons standing in front of him. And as he's just about to talk, suddenly the doors behind you, the front doors, those doubled mahogany doors, burst open and in walks a probably 25, 26 year old, blonde, very attractive woman in a in a green dress, uh, hair done up in curls. You actually recognize her from the Royal Pavilion. She comes storming in and she sees, uh, she looks straight ahead, sees the three deacons as well as Azario. And she points at Azario and she says, Azario, he left me there. I had to get another <laughs> ride. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. She comes storming in and she brushes right past you, um, Ebby and Roos, like right between you. And she starts pointing at Azario, like shaking her finger in his face saying, why didn't you remind him that I was there? And he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, my lady. I'm sorry. Um, he he won these two deacons. He was overcome. He just wanted to get them back here to the manor. I did mention that you were here. And she's like, I have heard enough of you covering for him. And then she slaps him across the face. And she turns back and heads into one of the doors on the south side of the hallway and slams it behind her. Telepathically, Roos will say to Ebby, I don't think she shares a room with with." I, I almost said Rosario, but that's not his name. Risotto. Risotto. <laughs> Renato. Renato. Oh, yeah. I don't think the lady of the house sleeps with the master of the house. Hmm. Is is that the lady? I thought they said it was a queen. There were two women in the royal in the royal pavilion. Oh. Well, two fancy dressed women. That's Risotto's wife. Renato. <laughs> Renato's wife. Hmm. <laughs> Risotto. <laughs> I mean, if Risotto's good, Risotto's wife has got to be delicious. <laughs> um, Azario kind of like rubs his jaw a little bit and kind of pops it a little bit. Did you hear that? Did that, did that get picked up on the microphone? Yeah, that yes, did. I heard it. That was my actual jaw. Yeah. I can do that every time. Anyway, um, he, uh, he looks back at the three of you deacons and he points to the one that Renato already owned and says, you, you're getting low. Why don't you go dock? And then um, the other deacon actually walks towards one of these doors to the south. Actually, if you're looking at the um, the floor plan of the of the manor, um, there are two doors on the north side of this hall, and there's three on the south side of this hall. And um, the deacon goes to the last door, uh, the furthest east door um, on the south side of this hall, and goes through that door and closes it behind him and disappears from sight. And then Azario turns back to Ebby and Roos and he's looking at you guys. And he's like, let's see, how much power do you both have? And he starts looking at both of you. And oh, no. now what I am going to need, you are going to now tell me, Roos, what he has to get to beat your disguise. Oh, no. Oh, no. You had uh, to know this was coming. I know. I know. It's, uh, let's see. It's probably just my spell save DC, which is 15. Okay. 
Let's see what he's got as far as, is it investigation? Is it perception? What is it? Oh, it says investigation check. Okay. He's got a plus two to this. So here is the roll. He has to be to 15. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it can go so bad <laughs> right now. Go- <laughs> so badly. Okay, here we go. Bling. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Oh, he rolled a you three. You never roll low. You my never heart. roll low. Guys, my heart hurts. Uh, <laughs> he, oh, my left gosh. shoulder's numb. Um, <laughs> he rolled a three for a five. And he looks at you both and he's, he doesn't seem like he's seen through the disguise. He says, you seem like you both have quite a bit of power left. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that the lady will want to eat. So, um, and then he points to you, Ruth. He says, you, in the kitchen with me. And then he points to you, Ebony. He says, you stay. You're going upstairs. And um, then he will take you, uh, Ruth, back kind of up that north hallway. Um, and he goes back into the room that he was in before. Oh, no. And he expects you to follow. Bye, Ebony. <laughs> Good luck. Meanwhile, Nari and uh, and Pine are back at the wooden palisade, and and Pine's like, "Really, an entire rotisserie chicken?" Oh yes, easily. <laughs> hmm. Maybe two if you're feeling adventurous. <laughs> I was gonna say they're called a capon. Hey, birds, get a load of these tiny chickens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Saturday Live joke from a long time ago. I knew that Matt would get it. You know. If there's any kind of conflict between that Renato and his wife, you know, she may just want to burn the whole place down for the insurance money. She may be an ally. Oh, that's good. I didn't realize you were so good at uh, sensing relationships, Pine. Oh, no, I'm terrible at it. But uh, (laughs) um, I keep pushing relationships that have ended for some reason or are never going to happen. But uh, I just think they'd be cute. So, Um, (laughs) but uh, shoot. I, but I honestly, I have no idea because, you know, Roos and Debbie aren't really giving us any information yet. <laughs> well, I think that we should uh, try to covertly sneak out and see if we can't follow them out to to the manor. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably want to change out of this. This. I mean, it's this. <laughs> yes, I think it would probably be good if we made you a little bit uh, less obvious. Yeah, I'll change back into my blues. And I still have that kick-ass uh, eagle skull mask from Gallivers March a few years ago. I'll put that on, too, to protect my identity. I- I'm not sure that's the subtlety we were looking for. But it's so cool looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a, it's like an eagle skull. It's like, you know, cool. <laughs> Is it not cool? Like, do, the, do the kids nowadays not think it's cool anymore? It's just the wrong season, you know? <laughs> um, Roos, you follow um, Azario into this um, very large kitchen. It's probably like 30 feet by 30 feet. There's like this big, huge oven on the uh, on the far wall. There's uh, tables covered with food. There's bread that's baking. This looks like probably... Um, do you remember way back when you were in Eberly Manor? Um, and you guys were there at Gadiver's March, actually. Um, I don't remember who all went into the kitchen. Did you guys all go in the kitchen? I don't think Roos ever actually did. I think he was too busy playing grab the hot dog with the guard. But, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> and I did succeed in that game. 
<laughs> but um, this is probably one of the nicest kitchens like you've ever been in. Um, and you can see that there is literally one person in here working. Yeah, she looks like the evil queen from uh, Snow White. She is um, she is definitely elderly, um, but you can see that she's got, it looks like she knows where everything is. She's doing things just like, she's reaching and grabbing things without even looking. Uh, she just looks like she knows her way around this kitchen uh, very, very well. And Azario walks in and says, Mona, I got you some help. And then she turns around and looks and she sees um, you, Roos, the deacon. And she says, another one. I don't trust them. They don't work very well in here. They don't have, you know, the, they can't think things through. And, and Azario says, no, just have him do the simple stuff, stirring pots, that kind of thing. And then Azario goes to leave the kitchen. And Roos, you are stuck in here now with Mona. Oh, helping her great. <laughs> okay. We'll get back to you Mona. in a second. <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> Please say that the butler's name is Tony Maselli. <laughs> <laughs> this is the butler, and his name is Azario. Well, then you screwed up. So for Ebby, the moment Azario and, and Roos left, Ebby turned towards the guard that was near him yeah. and stood just uncomfortably close, staring at him without blinking. Just, <laughs> just glaring right at the guy. Classic Ebby. Oh, gosh. Are you trying to make him uncomfortable? Maybe a little bit. My head is slightly cocked to one side, leaning towards the shoulder and just staring at him. He's actually standing like at this point right next to the door that the lady of the house actually went into. Um, he actually, as you stand there, he um, shifts his feet a little bit and then he moves and stands on the other side of the door. So he gets a little bit further away from you. And then Azario comes back out. And Azario comes, uh, steps out. He steps towards the staircase. It's at the far end of this of this hallway that runs east to west. And he points at you, Ebby, and he says, upstairs, come. Okay, Ebby slowly turns from the guard and then goes upstairs with Azario. Azario takes you up this staircase that kind of wraps around and uh, uh, it's got a landing and then you kind of end up on the second floor, basically right above where you were on the first floor when you first stepped onto the onto the steps. And you walk into this very large room. It's got to be like 60 feet, 70 feet long and probably 30 or 40 feet wide. Um, and there are a couple tables on the far walls. There is a piano in here, a large rug. There is a harp over in the corner. You can see that um, it looks like a banquet hall, but everything's kind of pushed off to the sides. And um, at the far end, the far west side of the room, you can see that there are um, windows. You also see there are a couple of guards standing in here um, in different places, standing at different doors. Um, and you can see that uh, in this main room, there are three doors uh, on the north side of this room, as well as three doors on the south side of this room. And then there are also, it looks like the, three doors the down. Room. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and it looks like there's also, um, it kind of wraps around behind. Uh, there's like a wall behind the stairs. It looks like there's place a place you can go actually even further um, back behind the stairs um, to some other area of the manor. But this manor does look um, very large. And Azario takes you over to um, one of the doors on the south side of the room. And then he um, he tells you to stop in the middle of the room. And then he knocks lightly on the door. And you hear a voice say, come. And then Azario goes in. And um, you are left out here in the sort of the music room, the banquet hall, um, alone with just a couple of guards. And I creepily turn and then just stare at those guards as well. 
<laughs> you have so much practice. <laughs> Why don't you make a perception check? Because uh, they're not paying attention to you. They're actually talking to each other. Got it. Uh, 21. Oh, perfect. Yeah. You can hear them actually talking back and forth. And then uh, you hear uh, one of them say, one of these days, Millicent's going to stab him in the neck. And then uh, uh, the other one's like, shh, quiet. And, she, and then uh, the first one says, he treats her really, really poorly. And he left her at the races again. All right, Abby, you are standing here in the middle of the room. And then um, Azario comes and steps out. He points at you, Ebby, and he says, you're not needed today. I'll show you where you dock. And then he goes back downstairs. Okay, I'll follow him. Roos, you are in the kitchen. Mona is going to have you do some menial tasks, just like stirring or kneading bread or whatever the case may be. Okay. Pouring soup into bowls, that kind of thing. So um, we are going to do two checks. One, we are going to do a sleight of hand check to see how well you do all these tasks. The second check we're going to do is actually Mona's check to see if she sees through your disguise. Okay. Do you want me to roll first or you? You can roll first, but I'm warning you, this her investigation gets a plus four. Oh, man. Okay. But she's not trained in investigation. It's just her intelligence modifier. So my sleight of hand was a 29. Oh, I want to try and distract her from looking at me as much as possible by playing into the stereotype that she said. Like, I'm I'm not, like, stirring in a circle the soup. I'm, like, banging one side of the pot and then banging the opposite side of the pot and just, like, going <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. I'm trying to get her ire up, so whatever she asks me to do, I'm just going to do it as, like, Poorly and mo- and annoyingly. Amelia in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you pull out little top hats to dress the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking you were like 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 Baymax trying to get through a narrow space type stuff, like that kind of yes. slowly turn. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, here's what we're gonna do then. You, she's gonna have now disadvantage on her investigation check because your sleight of hand was so good that we'll say that you are bothering her to the point where she has a hard time focusing. Plus four to this roll. Oh. <laughs> she rolled a natural 20, but then her other roll was a four. So she got an eight. So you are oh, wow. adequately ticking her off. Yeah, but you continue to just kind of work there in the uh, in the manor, in the kitchens. Um, I'm actually surprised you haven't had uh, Scott make a breakdancing <laughs> roll to like do the robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a terrible joke. My no, friend. no. Could you imagine trying to do the robot for like an hour <laughs> as you're trying to like cook in the kitchen? <laughs> I'm going to try that tomorrow when I make pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> Please film that. It was going to be terrible. Ebby, Azario then takes you down another flight of stairs into the basement. As he heads out into the basement, you follow along. Um, you can see that the staircase opens, uh, it kind of leads into this uh, 10-foot wide hallway that extends about 40 feet further back west, kind of more towards the entrance of the uh, of the manor. And um, the interesting thing about this hallway is here on this side of the, of the hallway, you see three doors, then you see a guard, and then about halfway down, you see bars. There is a gate that separates the west half of the basement from 
the east half of the basement, and you are right now in the east half of the basement. On the other side of the gate, you see that large, strong uh, woman guard that you had seen earlier. Um, she has short hair. She's got a great sword uh, that's kind of leaning up against the wall. Um, she's sitting at a desk with a book out in front of her, and it looks like she is making some kind of note um, in this book as Azario steps down uh, into this hallway. And behind her, you can see that there are three doors on the uh, on this western side of the gate. Azario steps down to the gate and pulls out a key and unlocks the gate. The guard will call her the captain. She looks up and uh, Azario says to her, this one's going to dock. And she's kind of nods. And then he unlocks the gate and he walks past her to the very furthest west door and is expecting you to follow. Yeah, Ebby will make his way that way as well. Every time you say this one's going to dock or taking to go dock, it makes me think of Ebby as a Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ebby um, got a 23 on perception. You can see um, the doors down here in the basement, the three on the eastern, easily accessible side of the basement um, that are not behind the gate. Um, they are just kind of normal doors. But here on the other side, these are solid doors, big locks. As you walk past that little desk that the uh, captain was sitting at, you can see that the book she was writing in, you know, you quickly glance over with your 23, you can see like listings of gold and of spices and of, of silks and even of deacons and um you imagine that right now you are probably in renato's treasure vault azario takes you to this furthest west door and opens it and has you follow him in okie dokie oh my gosh guys what's up what if renato is a dragon oh my gosh oh no <laughs> not another dragon i mean this would be a real one <laughs> Oh, man. But, like, all about hoarding, doesn't care about his hot wife. Like, that's no bueno. (laughs) This guy's a rich farmer who raises horses, and now you're like, maybe he's a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Smile. I will just say this. He made his money with horses and with gambling. This is new money. This is like, this is like the guy who won, you know, $40 million in Powerball, right? Okay. Or it's the dragon that's a few hundred years old that finds a new identity every couple decades. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or it's that Mm -hmm. guy, yes. Okay, Um, Azario um, walks in and you can see in this room, it's a uh, a room that has six pedestals, not really pedestals, just little raised areas. Um, And there are like conduit, uh, like uh, snaking... Um, hoses and wires that come out of these little pedestals and in um on four of these pedestals you see there are deacons including the one that you saw at the race and they are all plugged in they're all in their kind of sleep mode where they're not really asleep but they are they are getting their long rest perfect okay azario motions to one of the platforms and says doc and then he literally walks out of the room and with your 23 perception check you hear him lock the door behind you. Okay, okay. I see how it is. Um, perfect. Well, I think Ebby is... Uh, can Is the door see-through? Are there like 
is it like a just a barred door in a jail cell or is it like no so the only bars were the gate that was kind of halfway across the hallway these doors are just like solid oak very very um well built the uh the door jams themselves are like reinforced there are big heavy duty like padlocks on them as well nice okay well i think ebby is just going to immediately walk up to one and be like time to get to work and is going to try to awaken one of them. Fantastic. All right. Roos is upstairs in the kitchen. What are Nari and Pine doing currently? Did Pine get changed into his uh, casual clothes? By this point, Pine would have changed. And I think that we are heading out into the darkness. Uh, Nari's going to be kind of looking around as we go, uh, just making sure nobody's specifically following us or watching us. There's really not anybody out at this time. Um, it's probably around like 9.30 or 10 o'clock. So there are lights on in some of the windows. Um, you know, there are people in the wooden palisade who are, you know, drinking that same poet who was doing so poorly when you were in before is up trying her hardest. And it's just terrible. Oh, you didn't I'm say that earlier. We're probably not outside yet if Nari saw her. <laughs> I am a poet at heart, if you know what I mean. You guys get out of the wooden palisade. You guys start heading east. Um, and once you're outside, it's pretty dark, especially once you once you kind of head past the edge of the of the uh, of the inn, then you're in the fields. And so you can see lights on in these farms and a couple of the little barns might have a little bit of like a, a lantern that's lit out there. But you are moving through some dark plains um, along a well-worn path. Then Pine will hold your hand, uh, Nari, to kind of lead you. So we don't have to use light. That sounds good to me. I'll put my hand on your shoulder. Okay. If you don't, I mean, if you don't want to hold my, I get it's kind of intimate, but yeah, well, shoulder. It's fine. just that your arms are so far down there, and I just I don't <laughs> want to stoop. I'm like a two-year-old holding their parents' hand. That's incredible. <laughs> oh. Okay. We cut back to the Pello Manor basement where Ebby is going to try to attempt to awaken one of these four deacons. Let's see what you roll. Okie dokie. Let's do this. Awesome. I got a nat 20 for a 30. Oh, 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 oh my gosh. The Ormek wakes up with no ill effects. The lights in its eyes, uh, as you flip that breaker switch in its chest, you see the lights dim and go out and then turn back on green. Awesome. Ebby will kind of do a quick intro. Um, I imagine he has some sort of like rehearsed thing that he will say in these situations like salutations. Um, I haven't the time to explain in depth, but just know that you are for the moment safe and I am working to try to get you to someplace even safer. Many of our brothers and sisters we have already awoken and we will call on them for aid. However, for the last many years, our kind have been enslaved, and you likewise have also been enslaved by these by these people. Uh, you're awake now, but there may yet be work to do. He just starts screaming. Ebby <laughs> 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 um, turns around and tries to awaken the next one, too. Okay. Uh, 22. The Ormek awakens, and you are exhausted. One level. Ooh, okay. Same, uh, same kind of spiel, spiel, 
Spiel. Spiel. Schlemiel, Schlemazel. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, this second Ormek asks you, where, where are we? And kind of looking around, are we, are we in prison? Not exactly. These are like the servants' quarters, if you will. They've been using our kind as slaves to both fight and to serve them in their homes. And, uh, well, now that you're awake, you won't have to do that. But we may have to fight in order to get out of here. Um, for now, if they come in, play your part and just do as they direct. Um, but know that me and others are, are working hard to get you liberated. Cut to Roos banging on a pot loudly. <laughs> Actually, we are cutting back to Roos. We are cutting back to Roos. And Mona finally turns to you, Roos, and says, Get out. Go dock or whatever you do. Get out of my kitchen. Roos will leave the room. And since he doesn't know where Ebby is or where to dock, he'll just start exploring. Okay. And I'm going to try and do it stealthily. It's the sneaking deacon. That's right. <laughs> Okay, so, Roos, as you leave the kitchen, you can see that um, to your right, kind of on the north side of this hallway, there is another set of double doors, and they look like they're exterior doors. And then straight ahead from you, there is uh, a door. Um, and then those are the only two doors in this kind of north hallway. Otherwise, you can head south and go back into the main hallway. Okay, how many hours have passed? So, enough to travel one mile and bother a cook, I would guess probably about an hour and a half. Okay, okay. So I'm on my, my second casting of the spell. Okay. Okay. Um, I am going to attempt to sneak and explore the first level of the house. Well, why don't you make a stealth check? I got a 22 stealth. That's enough to beat the passive perceptions of the guards. Unless you like go like right in front of them, they're not going to, uh, to see you or hear you or pay attention. Um, especially because you still look like a deacon. Okay. So I will walk straight across the hall. It looks like there's a door in front of me. Yeah, there is. And I will enter that room. Okay, perfect. Um, when you push the door open, you see that it is a, a finely appointed dining room. There is a, uh, a fireplace on the north wall. There is a large table. It's already set. Um, you can see that some of the food that you were um, terribly helping with um, has actually been brought in already and is, is kind of on a table off to the side ready to be served um, and then there is a door uh, on the south side of this room which you imagine leads back into the main hall there is also a door on the um, on the west wall okay is the fire burning no okay all right um, I will go across the room into the next one to the west as you push open that door it actually is not a secret door, but it's a bookcase door. And so when you push it open, you can see that you are entering into uh, some like small little library reading room. This room also has a fireplace as well as windows along the western wall. Um, and there's a door to the south that you imagine also leads back into the main hall. But you can see that there's books in these bookshelves. There's also a couple of books that are on like coffee table kind of thing in the middle of the room. Okay. All right, and the only exit's the one leading south? Yes, or back into the dining room. Okay, I'm going to go back through the dining room into the first hallway that I was in. Okay. And then I'm going to walk north instead of south. Okay. You go north, and at the north end of the room, there are double doors. These doors seem um, a little bit like they're taller. Um, they seem a little bit thicker, um, and they look very similar to the doors that you entered into on the west side of the, of the building. Okay, I'm going to assume that that's a doorway out 
and I'm gonna turn and head south down the hallway. Okay, perfect. I'm gonna get into that main foyer, and there are three doors in the south. Yep. I'm gonna go through the middle one that the wife went through. Okay, there is a guard standing there. Yeah. Um, he, he seems to kind of be um, not paying any attention. A deacon walking around in the manor is nothing new to him. So you head towards that door, and you are going to go into that room? Mm-hmm. You walk into the room, and you can see that this room has nice wooden floors. It's an art studio when you walk in there. You can see that the lady of the house is actually sitting on a stool. Um, she has a palette um, up on an easel in front of her. She has some paints out. Um, she has like a smock that she's put over her dress. And she is um, looking across the room at um, a table that has some fruit on it. And she is in the process of painting a still life. And as you enter and close the door behind you, she turns around to look at you and she says, I don't need anything. You can go away. It seems like she has calmed down since her um, her abrupt entrance into the manor. Okay, Roos will turn around and, <laughs> and walk around the guard to the other doorway. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to have him just make just an insight check just real quick. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's what a good is roll. going on with these dice? Oh no. Oh my gosh. I have no idea where I'm going, by the way, so I'm like I'm totally lost. Yes, as you walk around the guard, the guard kinda like he's now he's noticed you. And with a natural twenty insight check, he looks at you and he says, Where are you going? I will stop and turn around and face him and say nothing. What's your command? Return to Doc. Make a performance or deception check. I'm not good at those things. <gasps> I rolled a 19, so I got a 23 deception. Oh my gosh. Oh, nice. Okay, well, that's enough to beat his natural 20 insight. Um, <laughs> because his natural 20 insight, I think, gives him um, a 20. He says, that's not where the dock is. Downstairs. And he goes, oh, you're new. Okay, let me show you. Follow me. Before you get a chance to uh, explore that last room, he'll take you to now the third door on the... Um, south wall, the same door that Ebby went through. Because I didn't see which door he went through, so I I genuinely didn't know where to go. <laughs> when Ebby came back downstairs, um, you were in the kitchen, so you wouldn't have seen anyway. Um, but Ebby uh, came down the stairs, and then he went through that third door, that furthest east door on the south wall, into a small hallway, and then there is a staircase that goes down uh, into the basement. And so now you, Roos, are taken down into the basement as you follow this guard. You see the same thing that I already described to Ebby. You see three doors on this east side that are more normal. You see an iron gate with a guard standing in front of it. On the other side of the gate, you see this little desk with the captain of the guards, as well as three much more sturdy and padlocked doors on that side of the gate. The guard comes down, he walks up to this gate, and he calls out to the captain and he says, Stavrula, I, I don't have a key, but this one needs to dock. And then the captain stands up, um, kind of stretches a little bit, pulls a key off of her belt, and unlocks the gate, and motions for you to come on in. I will proceed in and stop at her side. And she says, come with me. And she takes you to the last door on the western wall. Okay. Now... You are right there, Ebby. You were going to try to awaken another deacon right now. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Why don't you go ahead and make that roll? Okay, here we go. Uh, 25. Oh. <sighs> That's exactly what you need to have no more ill effects. A third deacon wakes up, and as you are about to go into your spiel about what's going on, I need you to make a perception check. Oh, you dug 24. You hear a little rattle in the keyhole of the door before you can open your mouth. Okay, I don't say anything, but I, I hold up my hand to my mouth as though like I'm doing a quiet gesture, and then I kind of point with my thumb towards the, the door. Okay. If I can, can I move quickly and just try to get on one of the pedestals? You can. Yes, you can. The other deacons, th here's the deal, though. I'm going to have to make a check for these other deacons because they really don't know what's going on. Sure. So there are three that are awake. Oh, no. Two of them pick up on what's going on. And the third one is like, wait, what? I don't understand. I don't understand. As the door opens, Ebby, you are staying on a pedestal. At least all of the deacons are in the right, the right place. As Stavrula, the captain of the guard, steps in, followed by Roos. And Stavrula hears a deacon saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. And Pine and Nari are out in the grass on this well-worn path as they approach Pello Manor. It's a beautiful night. <laughs> no, as you guys approach, you guys can see the front of the manor. You can see all the windows. You can see the, the well-crafted uh, you know, architecture. Um, you can see the double doors. You can see a couple of guards standing out front. Um, and you have not received any messages from your allies on the inside. Pine will say through Squire, we're in position. What's the best way to enter? I think it's sure not as a deacon because they put you in prison. <laughs> uh, cut back to the basement. Stavrula walks up to the deacon who was talking. Ebby, you being an Ormac, you you know that your face can't make like expressions like a like a, an organic face can, but you can read this this Ormac's body language and this poor Ormek has no clue what is going on as Stavrula steps up and she is going to make an insight check. Oh, Oof. gosh. All right. She rolled a natural 18. Why are you doing this to us? I did not make you guys go down here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might be about time for Roos to stab Rula. Stab Rula. Oh, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, uh... She grabs that deacon by the neck and she forces it down to its knees. And she says, What is going on in here? And she, her right hand grabs at her sword on her back. And we are going to roll initiative. I got a 22. Bruce got a 15. Oh, 17. All right. Nari got an 18. Oh my gosh, you guys, this could be so bad. All right. At the top of the round, we have 
um, in the room with the uh, the four deacons, three of whom have been awoken. We have Stavrula, the captain of the guard, who is a little bit further in, uh, south in the room, uh, with a deacon between her and Ebby. Amarok is invisible next to Ebby. And then we have Roos kind of off to the side by the door that enters into this room, uh, just kind of seeing what's going down. And at the top of the initiative, we have Amarok with a 23. All right. Um, Amarok is just going to do the help action. You know, I think I thought about having him provide the help action to Roos, but I think I'm going to have Amarok uh, give Ebby the help action. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Now on to Mr. Pine. Mr. Pine, you are upstairs outside and you have no idea what's going on. Because nobody said anything to me yet. Uh, so I'm going to roll an investigation check. And I got a 19, which means I got a real nice skipping rock. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us now to the guard who is down here in this room. In the, not in the room. He's in the hallway outside. Um, he's going to just not do anything because he has no clue that anything is even going on yet either. Okay. With an 18, we have Nari. You are also upstairs watching Mr. Pine grab a skipping rock off the ground. And with your passive perception, you can tell it's a pretty good one. Nice. Nice nice rock, man. Oh, that rock rocks, right? <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> gosh. Yeah, man. rocks rock hard, but I rock harder. Oh, my gosh. Um, while he's looking for rocks, I wouldn't mind just kind of scanning the building just to see if there's any spots that are... Um, not super well guarded that we could get in. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and um, make an investigation check? That'll be your action. All right, I rolled an 18 or an 18. As you start scanning the um, the manor, you can see that the front there are there are two guards standing out in front of this massive double doors that lead into the the manor. And as you kind of um, you're not going completely around the building at this point, but you can see as you head to the south. It looks like there's a smaller entrance into the manor on the south side of the manor. Um, maybe a servant's entrance or something. Um, and there is nobody guarding out there. You don't know if it's locked or not, but at least it's not protected like the front door is. After Pine finds his rock, I'll just kind of mention that to him. I'll be like, it looks like there's a an entrance over here that's not guarded. And now we have Ebby. Ebby, there is a deacon who is literally being um, throttled uh, between you and Stavrula, the captain of the guard. What are you going to do? I think I'm going to immediately cast heat metal on her armor. Oh, that's so brutal. Um, the creature is holding or wearing the object and takes the damage. The creature must succeed on a constitution saving throw or drop the object if it can. If it doesn't drop the object, it has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks until the start of your next turn. Okay. There's no save on this. It's just straight 2d8 damage. All right. So you're going to roll two. Now, is it verbal, somatic, material? What is it? Like, what, what kind of signs are you going to be giving that you are casting the spell? Yeah, it's the verbal, somatic, the whole nine yards. Okay. So we'll say there is no mistaking that you are casting a spell. Yep. At this point. Okay, perfect. Roll your 2d8. 10 fire damage. Nice. And that is... I think that's it for now. I don't really have any other bonus actions that I can do at this point, so we'll call that good. Okay. 
Bruce, you see right in front of you, um, it's about like 10 feet from you, um, Stavrula is grabbing onto this deacon and her armor starts to glow red hot. And what are you going to do? Bruce will say through Squire to the rest of the party, we need a distraction, something big, get as many people out of the house as you can. And then I will say to Stavrula, these are sentient beings and we will leave with them. They are not slaves. They are not to be imprisoned. And while I'm saying that, I'm going to try and sleight of hand take the keys from her waist. Okay, sleight of hand. You send um, Gigi over to go pick them off of her uh, off of her belt. That's right. For a 27. Oh, what a good girl. <laughs> Even before you finish talking, they're already in your hand. <laughs> like uh, Gigi has already just like slipped slipped uh, slipped down and snuck over, grabbed him, and then uh, zipped back over, climbed up your your back, and dropped him into your into the palm of your hand as you're saying um, your little spiel. Okay, perfect. Anything else that you want to do? I guess that was your the sleight of hand was your action. Yeah, and you I, talked. I talked you to move. two different people, so that was probably free action and bonus action there. So that'll be my turn. Okay, um, were you attempting to persuade or to intimidate, or were you just giving information? Um, I guess persuade. Um, why don't you make a persuasion check with disadvantage? I rolled an eight, but it could definitely get lower. <laughs> oh man, the other one was a 22. Oh well. Very good. She heard you. It is now Stavrula's turn. Stavrula looks at the deacon in front of her and throws him to the side, draws her greatsword completely, and comes at you, Ebby. Does she make these attacks with disadvantage? Yeah. Did she walk through my threat range? Uh, yeah, she had to. She walked through your threat range. Okay. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, no, I missed. I rolled an 11. <laughs> you whip out with your dagger and you miss. Okay. So disadvantage on these two attacks. Yeah. She has a plus nine to these three attacks. Okay. The first one is a 22. The second one is an 11. And the last one is an 11. So only one hit. Yeah. Okay, that is going to be, with this greatsword, kaboom! 18 damage. Holy cow. No, 19 damage. One hit does 19 slashing damage. Holy oh. cow. I do not like her. But that is her turn. Do I need to roll a constitution save? Yes, it's still difficulty 10, um, because uh, it's half of the damage dealt. Okay. 22. Okay, spell's still up. That disadvantage is going to help you a ton. Okay, now it is time for the Ormex here, the three that have been freed. And let's see what they are going to do. The one that was getting choked and thrown against the wall just kind of cowers um, where they are. The other two that you have freed recognize what is going on and they are going to attempt to grapple Stavrula. Um, they are both going to do it, so we're going to do the roll with advantage. 18. She gets a plus 9 to this roll with disadvantage thanks to heat metal. <laughs> so Stavrula is grappled. She is not restrained, but she is grappled. Okay, she has been grappled, and it is now back to the top of the round. It is Amarok's turn. I think I think we'll just have Amarok dive in for a bite attack. Okay. AC of 18. Uh, 21. Wow. Good now boy. she has to make a con save, correct? 
Yeah, uh, DC 11. Oh, she rolled a natural 11. He, he only did four damage with his bite. Okay. All right, good job, Amarok. Hine, you have just gotten this message to make a big commotion, some kind of a distraction out in front of the manor. It is your turn. So remind me, Nara, you said that you saw an uh, uh, unguarded door? Yeah, to the south. I don't know if it's locked or not, but it was unguarded. It looks like a servant's entrance. Get ready to move. And I will, I'll yell out, Oh no, look over there, as loud as I possibly can. And then I'm going to use my red candle to cast daylight. Ooh, where at? Um, so it's a 60 foot range. So I'm going to basically do it because we're at the, we're on the west side of the building, correct? Yeah, you're kind of on the southwest side of the building. You guys were kind of, uh, I'm assuming as Nari was um, kind of looking for another way in, that you guys all, you guys both kind of wandered to the south side of the building. Gotcha. So I'm going to cast daylight. 60 feet northwest of us. So back away from the manor, but it's going to be, you know, bright, a sphere of daylight. And and I'm going to try to sound really worried in how I shout it out. And then I'm going to use my movement to move 30 feet toward the unguarded door. 35 feet, my friend. 35 feet, because I'm fast. Fast as boy. That brings us now to the guards. And actually at this point, it's the guards who are upstairs, who are outside, who just saw the daylight. You hear shouts go up, like, what's that? And then um, uh, you hear uh, somebody call out, guards to the front, something's coming at the manor. And that is their turn. Okay, Nari, it is your turn. All right, uh, Nari is going to just do her best to follow Pine at this point. Okay. I think at this point, she's kind of still trying to sneak without being seen by the guards. Okay. But mostly just trying to follow him. So you move up a few feet behind him. And that is going... I'm going to make one quick check here as you two are moving past a specific window. We're going to roll it with disadvantage, though. Oh, but she's concentrating on a bowl of fruit. Uh, Yes, but she rolled a natural 20 and a 16 on her perception. Um, and she just heard guards calling out that there was something approaching the manor. So she's going to be looking around. And she looks out the window. And Nari, I'll say that you just happen to be looking in the window at the same time. And you lock eyes with the lady of the house. I'm just going to put my finger up to my lips really quick and say, shh. Okay. Um, she's got to be put in the turn order now. <laughs> um, oh, her turn is coming up too. Oh my gosh. This is crazy. You guys, what are you doing? What are you doing, Paul? What do you mean, what am I yeah, doing? I'm really the game. <laughs> I am literally just <laughs> reacting to the things that you are doing. Okay, Nari, your turn is up. Ebby, it is your turn. You have Stravrula right in front of you after having just dealt you a massive blow with her greatsword. She is now being held by two of the deacons that you have rescued. Perfect. Um, we'll go ahead and cause the fire damage to impose disadvantage again for her and give her eight more damage. Perfect. And I think I'm going to go ahead and blast her with two mana cannon blasts at like point blank range. (laughs) Kaboom! Kaboom! Perfect. First one is a nat 20. Oh, dang! Double that dice! Uh, Nine force damage was the roll, so 18 damage. Boom! Nice! Very big hit. And then the second blast is a 13 to hit, so probably not. That one will miss. Okay. 
Um, and that is it for Ebby's turn. All right. That now brings us to the lady of the house. I'm just going to start calling her Melisent because that is her name. She stands up, dropping her brush and her palette, knocking over the painting she was working on as she rushes out the door and you can hear her through the window, barely audibly calling out, there are people outside. There's people outside. We're under attack. What a drama llama. <laughs> At least she didn't say to the south. <laughs> she did not. Now, it's all adding to the commotion, correct? Yes. That was the plan. It's all part of the plan. All right. Roos, it is now your turn. Roos is going to step up and slash out with his dagger. Okay. That is a 26 to hit. Uh, that will hit. Okay. So then I did 11 damage. 13 uh, precision for 24 damage. Big hit. Wow. And then I will say again, we don't want to kill you. These are innocent people you have been imprisoning and we are leaving with them. Persuasion or make an intimidation check at this point. Okay. I'm not very intimidating. Oh, but hey, I got a 17. Okay. Let's see. So I did a counter intimidation check, um, and that was a 19 plus 5 for a 24 as she glares back at you, Roos, and she says, you will not leave here alive. It is now Stavrula's turn. She has multiple targets around her, and what she is going to do, she is going to lash out first at Ebby with disadvantage. That's an 18. Does that hit you? Oh, that just hits. Oh, that's a big hit. That's another 19 damage. Yikes. Okay. Oh, man. This chick hits like a dump truck. She does. Um, for now. Then she is going to lash out at Roos with disadvantage. That is a 19. Oh, that'll hit. That's 18 damage. Okay. And then she is going to lash out at one of these deacons who is no, holding No, no. Oh, don't you do it. With disadvantage, an 18 for 20 damage. Ooh. She knocks one of the deacons down, and that is her turn. She's still held by the other one. It is now the deacon's turn. I am going to make a check for that one who was cowering again. Natural one, still cowering. <laughs> Starts leaking some oil. <laughs> yes. The one who ha now has her held um, by itself is going to attempt to grapple again in an, in an attempt to either knock her prone, like pin her down prone, or somehow incapacitate her, um, pin her arms to her side. So we are going to do opposed athletic rolls. The first roll is Stavrula. Ooh. A natural one Ooh. plus nine Ugh. is 10. This deacon is going to now attempt to grapple. Has to beat a 10 with a plus with a plus one to this roll. It's 50-50. Oh! No! Boom, 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 boom. This deacon attempts to wrestle her to the ground, try to pin her arms to her side, but she is just too strong. She gets her arm free and uh, this deacon is just hanging on for dear life. Uh, she is still grappled. Okay. And that brings us now back up to the top of the round. We have Amarok. Um, Amarok is going to give Roos the help action. Okay. Pine. 
you are outside of the servant's entrance of the uh, of the manor. Okay, Pine is going right to that door and is going to bump in. You go down, um, you go to this door, you you uh, bust into the door. You can see it is a, a hallway. Um, the floors are light wood. You can see the um, two doors on the right, a doorway straight ahead. And then kind of at the end of this hall, there's another hallway that kind of goes off to the right. So as Pine is entering that door, I think I used, how many, how many feet did I use so far? 5, 10, 15, 20. 20 feet to get that far. As Pine is moving, um, he'll say, The guards have pulled to the outside. Where are you? Do you need our help? And I will move the additional 15 feet into this hallway. Okay. Um, are you moving silently? Or are you going to do dash actions as well or what? Um, let's say that I'm using my dash so that I can move my full speed. Uh, and I'll try attempt to be stealthy. Okay, got it. That's a 20 on my stealth. Okay. That brings us now to the guards. One of, well, you guys can't see what's going on. <laughs> so as far as the guards upstairs, you have no clue what is going on. Nari, it's your turn. Okay, Nari is also going to use her dash action just to follow Pine. Um, and again, we'll basically just be following his lead, kind of trying to sneak, but um, mostly just trying to keep up with him as well. Perfect. Um, Nari, your turn is over. It is now Ebby's turn back down in the basement in this room full of full of Ormex. Ebby, you have Stavrula straight in front of you. You have a still um, dormant sleeping deacon to your left. To your right, you have this cowering deacon. Um, behind Stavrula, you have one grabbing onto her and you have one who has been knocked down with Stavrula's greatsword. Like, not just knocked down, like, hit really, really hard. And, Abby, at this point, unless you want to take some time to figure things out, you don't know if the deacon is dead or alive. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm assuming that it's, it's like, a near-fatal blow. So, I mean, Abby is pretty determined to try to keep that uh, Ormek alive. But one thing I need to do, I did take what was it, 18 damage or 19 damage last time? I probably need to do another constitution save, don't I? Yeah, you probably do. Um, Please be decent. Ugh, only a five. So my heat metal had dropped. Okay. So I will... I We've got to keep that up, though. So I'm going to cast that. But this time I'm going to cast it at a third level. Oh, actually, no. I'm going to cast it on her sword this time instead of her armor, which I know then she won't be taking damage constantly, but that would at least force her to drop that. So she takes 12 fire damage. Okay. She is now bloodied. Nice. And then as a bonus action, I will use my Verdant Light ability and try to heal that downed Ormek with 1d6 uh, healing. Okay just to see if it even does anything. It'd be four, four points of healing. I think you get the impression that something worked. That verdant light was not wasted. Good. Okay, good. And then Stavrula has to make a constitution save to hold on to her sword, correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, her con save is a plus six, and she rolled an eight, which is a 14. What's your spell save difficulty? Uh, 17. She drops her sword. Oh, hallelujah. Nice. All right. That brings us to 
um, Millicent, the lady of the house. Um, Pine and Nara, you can hear some some like yelling and screaming and and noise coming from um, that door at the end of the hallway, um, but you can't make out any words. Roos, it is your turn. You see straight ahead of you, Stavrula has dropped her sword. All right. I will see. So Amarok is assisting me on this one. Okay. So I will I will take a strike with my dagger. 22 to hit. 10 uh, radiant. Only six sneak attack. I rolled three twos. Oh my goodness. <laughs> For um, 16 damage. I will I will use my item interaction to kick her sword across the room. Okay. Back towards the door. Behind you. Nice. Yes. Then th- that'll be my turn. All right. Um, it is now her turn. She is going to use her action to break free from the grapple. Her roll. <laughs> she rolled a two, which is one better than she rolled last time for Hathlex check, but that's still an 11. <laughs> the deacon holding on to her has a plus one to, to their athletics. And, oh, that's a 15. She is still grappled. She cannot move to go pick up her sword. Yay! (laughs) We are just gonna slowly, brutally murder this woman. You can hear, like, through gritted teeth. She's like, you will not leave this manor alive. And that deacon now is again going to see the one who's crying. We'll see if they can get up to uh, stop crying. Nope, another natural one. (laughs) (laughs) That poor deacon. (laughs) That's not even with advantage or disadvantage. That's just a straight, every time I roll it, it's a one. That's hilarious. Could you imagine the trauma of like coming into existence and then being choked and then like just murder happening all around you? Oh gosh, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. Sometimes I have to remind myself, okay, this game is supposed to be fun too and not just always super dark and scary. Um, Very good. Okay, so the deacon that you um, brought back to life or you um, you healed up, um, they pop up and they are going to again assist the other deacon in trying to subdue Stavrula, which is going to be now, she has a straight athletics roll, no longer disadvantage, with a natural 20, and they have advantage on theirs, and they got a 19, so they got 20, but she ended up getting 29. So she is still grappled, not incapacitated. And we are back to the top of the round with Amarok. Okay, I think Amarok is gonna give the help action to Roos again. I think that's the best thing I can do with with Amarok. Okay. Pine, you are in this hallway um, on the first floor of the manor. You are sneaking down this hallway. There's a couple doors on your right. There's a door straight ahead. And there's a little hallway at the end of the hall that goes off to the right. And nobody responded to my comment about where are you? Oh, I totally forgot that you. I'm sorry. It's okay. You guys, I mean, you guys are, you have your hands full. So I totally get it. I think that Matt, I think that Pine would know though that something bad is happening because probably you hear this like, you hear them cussing in their brains like a lot because of what's going on. So again, in his mind, Pine will say, where are you? And uh, because... Uh, he hears people also kind of milling about in the in the house. He's going to put on his eagle mask regardless. <laughs> okay, disguise his face a little bit. Bound and determined. I love it. 
is great. And he's going to basically move up the hall just a little bit and look like the next door on the right. And he's going to duck in there. Okay. You move in, you open up that door and you, and you move in and you find a small, it's actually, it's big for a servant's chamber. Um, this whole house is kind of built on a scale just to kind of show off how rich and powerful Renato is. But when you step in, you can tell the bed is, the, the blankets are scratchy. The chest that, you know, has clothes in it is not very well made. Um, there's a window on the back wall, but this is definitely like a servant's room. There's a, so there's actually a window to the outside on this back wall? Yes, on the wall, there's a window looking to the east. How big is the window? Uh, it's If you bust it out through it, you could get through it, yeah. Okay, all right, so I'm going to move down to the side of the door, and uh, assuming Nari's going to follow me, and I'm going to wait to hear if anybody passes. And I'll say, um, we're hiding in a servant's room upstairs, on the first floor. Also, already an attack in case anybody, like anybody aggressive that's not Nari, because she's always aggressive, uh, <laughs> comes through that door. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And aloof. Yes, and aloof. Aggressive <laughs> and aloof. <laughs> we are on to the guard's turn. Um, Pine, now that you're in that room, you can't hear as much because now you have two doors between you and the guards. Nari, you can still hear commotion, and um, you actually, as you are standing where you're at, you see a door open at the end of the hall, and a guard steps in and points a spear at you, Nari, and says, what are you doing in here? And with a spear, he is going to stab at you, Nari, with a spear. One attack. Not me, bro. <laughs> he rolled a 13 to hit you with a spear. That does not hit me. Okay. Well, Nari, now it is your turn. All right. Nari is going to try to take this guy out immediately before he can shout for help. So she's going to come and swing in. Oh, my gosh. With a 13 to hit. That will not hit. This guy has, like, a chain shirt, but he also has a shield. Okay, she's going to go in again. Oh, that's better. With a 25 to hit. That will hit. <laughs> and then that's going to do eight damage. Okay. Um, and then she is going to have him make the saving throw. To grovel? Yeah. Okay. You clobber this guy for eight. And then as he kind of is reeling back and getting ready to stab at you, you see his eyes glaze over a little bit. And on his next turn, he will bow down and let you chop his head off. Which, to be fair, you almost did already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back downstairs, Ebby. All right. You are in this room with um, Stavrula still, and you have deacons are all alive. Stavrula has no weapon in her hand. What are you going to do? Thank goodness she doesn't have a weapon in her hand. Um, I will, uh, first of all, I want to respond to Pine and just kind of shout out mentally, at least, you know, say... Down the stairs, we're in the basement. We're, we're trying to fight our way out. I would have seen the hallway he was in, right? Yes, you would have. Um, you actually went past that way. So I could say like, just down the hall where you are and on your right hand side or something, right? Yeah, I, I'd say that that's, that's totally doable, yes. Okay cool. okay, cool. All right, now as it relates to Stevrula, let's go ahead and uh, do some attacks with the mana cannon for my action. 22 to hit. That'll hit. 10 force damage. Okay. And then the second attack, a 23 to hit. Yeah. 3 force damage. And then as a bonus action, I'm going to cast a level 2 
Erdos's word on myself. Okay. Because I am a little low on hit points to heal myself for nine. Okay. It's Millicent's turn. She um, is nowhere to be seen. It is now Roos's turn. Roos, you have Stavrula in front of you. She's been taking some serious hits. In fact, 105 hit points worth of damage already. Okay. Again, with advantage, I'm going to attack out with the dagger. Oh, my goodness. I rolled a one and a two. <sighs> um, I'm going to bonus action strike out with the chakram. See if I can't do something. I got a 21 with that. That'll hit. And that one, I'll do six damage plus uh, seven precision for uh, 13 damage. It is now Stavrula's turn. Stavrula reaches for her belt, whips out a dagger, and she is going to now attack Ebby once, Bruce once, and the and the deacons again. Now a straight roll, plus nine. Ebby, natural 20. Oh, gosh. Okay. 10 damage. Got it. Okay. Bruce, uh, 15. That will miss. That will miss. Okay. And Deacon, the same one that she attacked before. 19 will definitely hit. She rolled a one. That's six damage. That is enough to knock that Deacon down again. Ah, okay. Poor guy. Poor gal. She doesn't care about being grappled anymore. She is now fighting for her life. And it is now the Deacon's turn. I'm going to have that Deacon make a death saving throw with a 12. Okay. Very good. The one deacon still crying? A nine. Yeah, still kind of crying. Kind of <laughs> kind of picking themselves up a little bit. The other one, in a attempt to uh, incapacitate, the deacon got 20. Stavrula got a uh, 16. Stavrula, as she's whipping around with this dagger, stabbing at everybody, this deacon manages to pin her arms to her side and incapacitates her. Oh, Nice. So for the next round, at least, you all have advantage to hit her. Yes. Great. Amarok, what are you going to do? Amarok, seeing the opportunity, will dart in and try to bite her. 18, let me see if I roll the advantage. 21 with advantage. Okay. The 18 would have hit anyway. So yeah, go ahead and roll some damage. Cool. And then she has to make a constitution save. Yep. Seven bite damage. Okay. And she rolled a 15 natural um, on her constitution save, so she is actually doing fine. Okay, perfect. Well, she's not doing fine. <laughs> like, not at all. She is hurting really, really bad. Um, all right. Oh, I guess she even... I, I didn't realize this. We don't have to change anything, but they would still take half as much damage on a successful save. So, oh, well, roll that poison damage then. Um, it would have been eight, but half to four. Okay. And that is enough? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> that is not enough, but you can see that she is in bad shape. All right. Mr. Pine, it is your turn. You are hiding in this servant's room. You heard a commotion uh, from outside in the hall. And as you step back out of the servant's room, you can see that there is a guard that has attacked Nari. Okay. Well, Pine is going to come up behind this guy. So that's, that's 15 of my feet. And I'm going to go ahead and take a couple of non-lethal strikes with the Tabri Ambassador's Blade, level three. Nice. When I draw it, I will use that ability to blow out any un uncovered flames, so candles and things, in a 30-foot radius. So this this uh, hallway may get dark. It did get dark. Cool. First is a 15 to hit. 
The 15 will miss. Oh. 16 AC. Oh. 20 to hit. Dirty 20. Okay. And that will be 14 on my first strike, 6 on the second with cold damage. Non-lethal. There you go. He crumples to the ground. He's he's getting ready to strike at um, Nari. His eyes glaze over. He's about to kneel down. And you come along with the flat of the blade and just, bam, smack him upside the head. And he drops. Okay, so then after he drops, then I'm going to just head up here. I have 20 more feet of movement. So I'm heading further up in this hall, further north in this hall. And then to the... Um, to the east side toward these stairs. I'm about 10 or 15 feet away from them now. Yeah, you can see the stairs going down to the basement here um, in this uh, little little hallway. All right, perfect. That brings us now to the guards. Um, and at this point, there are no guards that you guys can actually see. So we are going to go back up top again to Nari. It is your turn. Okay, so um, kind of taking care of the gentleman in front of me, so I will follow him uh, down those stairs and just trust that he knows where he's going. Ebby, it is your turn. You have this captain of the guard, Stavrula. She is bleeding from multiple wounds. She's got burns on her. You can um, see that she is just taking a beating, and at this point, her arms are pinned to her side. It's time to finish this. I would say Ebby would try to do non-lethal, but at this point, that's not where Ebby's heart is at. He's just going to try to kill her. Okay. Um, a 25 to hit with the mana cannon. That will hit. Five force damage. A next hit. Only a 16 to hit. You miss. And then as a bonus action, Ebby's going to do an Erdos's word on the downed Ormek. Okay. And heal that person for nine. Okay, nice. And that's it. All right. We will skip the lady of the house and go straight to Roos. Roos, you have this captain of the guard. And they are pinned. They are pinned. I'm going to strike out with my dagger again. Let's see if I can do something decent. Oh, my goodness. I got a 13 to hit. That's a miss. And that's with advantage. Yep. So it sounds like you should have gone with the uh, uh, broken sword hilt. You're probably <laughs> right. I'll come back with my chakram. To, oh, my goodness. I can't manage to do anything. Oh, I got a 15 to hit with my chakram. Oh, she my can't gosh. even move, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, uh, oh, man. I'm not happy about this. All right. Well, that was my turn. At this point, it's one of those fight scenes where everybody's, the whole group gets in there and starts trying to wail on Jackie Chan and he's crawling out between their legs. Yes, they don't realize exactly. they're not punching exactly anybody. what's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is now Stavrula's turn. She is going to attempt to break free from the restraint. And actually, because there's two of them doing it, they will have advantage. So she got a 20. And then the Deacons, their athletics check, they end up getting a 15. She breaks free from being restrained. And at this point, I think she breaks free from the grapple as well. She's going to move around Roos and she's gonna move down to pick up the sword that was kicked away by Roos. That will do attacks of opportunity. And Ebby's threat range. And the Deacon's threat range. And Amarok's threat range? Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> 
She's also no longer in Pine's threat range. <laughs> <laughs> I can't manage to hit anything. I got a 16 to hit on my attack of opportunity. Uh, I'll I'll just try to to smack out at her then with that with my rod. Which <laughs> <It> sounds dirty, <laughs> but um, yeah, we're gonna try that. And uh, rolled a twenty. Nice. Two damage. <laughs> this woman cannot die. Oh, man. Slowly beating her to death. Oh, we also have two deacons that are gonna make punch attacks at her. Come on, deacons! You're sure Amarok doesn't get an opportunity attack? I'm just I am kidding. pretty sure no. Not according to where he is on the map right now. Okay, deacons are going to take two attacks. Oh no, nine and a 10. Uh, they managed to miss. She does pick up her sword. And we are back up to the top of the round. Amarok, Amarok, do this thing. Uh, yeah, Amarok will dart in and see if, if he can make it happen. Probably not. A 13 to hit. Oh no, no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, that's a miss. Pine. So I'll come running down the stairs. And what do I see? Um, as you come running down the stairs and get into the hallway, you can see, um, as I described before, this hallway running east to west. You're on kind of the eastern edge. There's a metal gate that separates the east side from the west side. And there is actually a guard there who is like trying to open the gate by shaking it because he can hear that something terrible is happening at the far end of the room where you know a couple of deacons and a couple of your friends are clobbering a woman. Okay. But this this guard has not seen you yet. He is trying to get the gate open, but he does not have a key to it. Pine will just come up and make two attacks against this guy. <laughs> nice. Non-lethal. AC 16. That's a crit. I, unless you roll terribly, I don't think there's any way he, this guy is still standing. That's an, that's an 18, and oh, geez, my cold damage is really bad, but that's an 18 and then an additional three. So, oh. 21. This guy crumples. Like, you, you you hit him in the back of the head with your sword, and his head hits the, the bars in front of him, and he's get like he gets like the, the double concussion type thing. Okay, okay. I'll move up to the gate, see if I can't figure out a way to open it as well, but that was my turn. And that brings us now to Nari. Nari, um, are you still going to follow Pine? Yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to rush in, um, see that Pine took care of that guy. And can I tell where uh, everybody else is? You can hear the commotion and the fighting happening at the far west end of the hallway. Okay, I can go. I think I can only probably go to about here, so. Okay. Oh, actually, and here, these are bars. This is a gate that you can't actually get through. It's locked. In fact, the the guard was standing there trying to shake it free, trying to knock it loose. But it looks like it's pretty well built. Is it? So it is locked, though, too? Yes, it is locked. It is locked. Basically, the other side of this gate is the treasure trove of the the richest man in town. Heck, we need Gigi. I guess while I'm here, I'll I'll try to take a whack at it just for funsies. Sure, make it grovel. So that was an eleven to hit. I think that hits. Why don't you just roll some damage? Okay. And that was fifteen damage. Okay. Your your axe bounces off. It feels like this is a pretty sturdy gate, but you you can see a, a, a little bit of like a scrape on some of the bars. Okay. Um, I don't think we're gonna get in this way. At least not through brute force. Well, then we will jump back into the room at the far end of the hall and Ebby. Okay. Um, Ebby's going to go ahead and 
just do heat metal one more time. And so, okay. Ebby's going to kind of step forward and look at her and say, you will burn. And he'll go ahead and uh, do 14 fire damage. And what happens to Stavrula? Her armor again starts to just glow this bright cherry red. And I imagine she just collapses on the floor screaming as flames start to kind of shoot up around the armor around her, like around her neck. With that, we are going to exit initiative and cue victory music. Jeez. Very tentative victory music. Do-do-do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So, real quick, you guys have to get out of Pello Manor, but there is still one deacon that has not been uh, awoken. Yeah. Evie's going to roll to try to awaken the last one. Uh, 24. Okay. Ebby, you wake this deacon up, and you now have two levels of exhaustion. Okay. Oh, great. So we have we have is that half speed? It's half that speed. Is. And one of the deacons got knocked out twice as well, so they're half speed as well. To assist us on our escape, Roos will have Squire hide everybody's tracks. Oh, fantastic. Are you there? The door's locked. We're here. I've got the key. Come on, everyone, this way. We'll explain everything once we're safe. Roos, you uh you get that key in that door and open it up as you all come pouring out into the hallway here in the basement of Pillow Manor. You can see on the far side of the of the gate, you can see Pine and Nari looking, I mean, and, you know, they look great. <laughs> Nari's still greasy from the full chicken she ate. <laughs> <laughs> you can see Ebby and Roos as they come out. Um, I imagine that probably Roos dropped his disguise. Yeah. You can see that Roos has been, has been hit pretty hard and you see four deacons come following along behind Ebby Bruce, you use that key, you unlock the gate, and with Squire hiding your tracks, you sneak back up the stairs. You can hear in the main area of the manor the commotion of people moving about. They are still trying to figure out what is going on with that light out there. Um, the um, lady of the house mentioned that there were people outside, but the guards have gone out and they've, they've looked and they can't see anything. And with Squire hiding your tracks, you managed to get upstairs, back out the servant's entrance. Real quickly, to uh, to try to ensure that nobody follows us and that they remain distracted, Ebby's going to leave a little gift. He's going to summon Dardriel's eye as we leave and just try to start set fire to the to the mansion. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> One more thing, too. Pine would remind Ebby. Remember, you were going to send Amarok ahead to summon the illegal to pick us up. Oh, yes, of course. Amarok, go as fast as you can. As you um, make it into the farm fields of the Pelo um, farm, uh, you look back and you can see fire starting to lick up the sides of this manor. Um, you see people... Did you do that, Nauri? I didn't do that. <laughs> Don't blame me. Who could have done that? Man. I, I actually put fires out while I was in there. <laughs> Even even at this distance, you can see people starting to pour out of the manor. Um, you manage to uh, sneak away into these fields, into the grass, and eventually make your way away from the farms and over 
to the waiting allele eagle and its deacon occupants, as well as Sydney, the former researcher of the Almerian Empire and now um, tentative ally, as you and these four rescued Ormex make your way aboard the ship and to safety here in the middle of the night, we are going to stop there for tonight. Oh my Ooh. gosh. That was so tense, Paul. <laughs> you guys. Yeah, that was pretty intense. <laughs> I felt so powerless most of the time. Here, um, I'm going to do something real quick. Um, Matt, you see that? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I just showed Matt one of the rooms that they did not go in. Um, here in the basement, and it is full of gold, just like full of gold. Um, Holy cow. It supports my theory that this guy's a dragon. (laughs) Because his token was in there on top of it, just like (laughs) laying there. He was laying there, and he one eye opened up, and he's like, yeah, breathe, smoke's coming out of his nostrils. No. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. That was intense. You guys managed to rescue the deacons of Kelta. Um, very good. Okay. Well, hey, all you listeners out there, don't forget, go join our Discord. Come chat with us. Also, it's not too late to get tickets for Fanex. You can come and meet us, um, hang out with us afterwards on Saturday. It should be a great time. By the way, we don't get any money if you come to Fanex to see us, but we'd love to hang out with you afterwards if that's not a possibility for you guys. That's true. That's true. Yes. If you're conveniently located in the Salt Lake area. Yes, in the Intermountain West, in Salt Lake City. Oh, please don't. That's a throwback <laughs> um, to probably the worst intro of all time. Um, or was it the best? Um, anyway, until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.